Ardent followers of Manx politics will undoubtedly have been both fascinated and enthralled by last week's momentous political events. While the departure of now former Treasury Minister David Ashford seemed inevitable, the Chief Minister's Tinwell statement was extensive in policy announcements, but rather light in terms of directly addressing the findings of the Industrial Tribunal. After taking some time to recover from last week's excitement, Alistair Ramsey tries to make sense of these dramatic events with me, Phil Gorn. Yes, indeed, one of those kind of apparent crises crises, um, that um, produce a strong response and many bold statements about change and fundamental reform, which I'm not entirely convinced by. And, of course, the the difficulty the Chief Minister had with his his statement uh, to Tinwald, emergency statement in in relation to the DHSC versus Rosalind uh, um, Ranson, was th- th- this is an ongoing matter, uh, so there's there's still at least three lines of inquiry to pursue. Yeah. So uh, it's difficult for politicians to say an awful lot at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think what they what he was doing was responding to a um, very considerable public concern and shock and outrage over what people had read in in that report. So he needed to make a, a strong-sounding response, which he, which he did. So in that sense, they they kind of read the public mood. They were, were ahead of it. What struck me about it was how wide-ranging um, the response was. You know, all sorts of measures that weren't necessarily relevant to this particular case, just throwing the kitchen sink at it, a real kind of scattergun, and setting all sorts of hairs running uh, many of those hairs um, from the uh, up the island plan, and uh, what I might have expected to happen is that there would be a second stage where you just look at the implications of this case for government a bit more precisely: what went wrong, what failed, who failed, and then once you've got a more targeted approach, proceed on that basis. But they've they've gone for this very broad kind of blunderbuss um, response, and that, and that was probably in there. Um, uh, uh, hidden amongst a whole load of other uh, bold statements. I mean, uh, another uh, one that really surprised me was that the uh, the Save program is is back on the table. I mean, this was the the the, yeah. the, the, the infamous Save program, which it is alleged cost more than than it actually than saved. It actually saved. I think it produced a few recommendations for reform and streamlining, but he's also um, revived the single legal entity. Um, bringing in non-ministerial executive advisors from the private sector. I, I can't see how that fits uh, into an issue about kind of public sector governance. So I would have thought that was, wasn't the solution at all. So it was, it, was, it was a very broad, almost too broad approach. A few interesting omissions, I thought, from the Chief Minister's statement. So uh, one was an acknowledgement that the Chief Secretary had um, decided to bring forward his retirement with immediate effect. Um, no praise for the, uh, the or, or thanks for the hard work of the Chief Secretary over the 12 years he's been in that role. Uh, just an acknowledgement that he was going. Uh, that's it's quite, quite unusual. And, of course, rumours are flying around the corridors of power that maybe... The uh, the imminent retirement was set to avoid uh, some other form of uh, uh, removal from his post. 
Yeah, I, th- I think there was an acknowledgement of, of the Chief Secretary's uh, service in the statement that was issued the previous day, but the, the timing of that announcement can only lead to people being suspicious and speculation and so on, um, which, which is unfortunate. Um, but there, there, there is a pattern in these situations of chief officers um, departing in the midst of controversy. Um, over the last three years, there have been three other chief officers and now the, 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 the very head of the civil service um, going. And I think that that kind of underlines the impression that, that it's the civil servants who are responsible for everything. They run everything. And so when people talk about accountability, they're really meaning about how, how do we make civil servants accountable. Um, and that, to me, is sidestepping the, political, the ultimate political responsibility for what happens in government. And, and again, that uh, it wasn't so much in the statement, but the questioning on the statement, the Chief Minister was given the opportunity, a very clear question um, from, I think it was Claire Christian, MHK, um, do you have confidence in the Treasury Minister, who was the Health Minister at the time of all, all these uh, uh, issues, and do you have confidence in uh, Dr Henrietta Hewitt? And the chief minister then took us on a journey uh, which didn't address no. either of those two No, he points. failed to answer those and he reverted to a Johnsonian, we must get on with the job kind yeah. of response. And, and, and that, again, uh, it's possible that we're reading too much into this because on the, on the one hand, the last thing any uh, football manager needs is confidence from the chairman of the board yes. uh, in advance yeah. of him being sacked. So, uh, so yeah, uh, to, to a certain extent, I can see why maybe the chief minister would have wanted to avoid um, saying, yes, I have full confidence in, in whoever it may be. Um, but it was surprising that there was, I mean, it was fairly um, low key. The, the, you know, there wasn't a, actually David Ashford is doing a brilliant job for us and, uh, where no. he, you know, it was, um, yeah, that was quite skillful. I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the robust challenging from the backbenchers that people were prepared to ask those sorts of questions, um, and in some cases say that the minister should do the right thing and go. And that that was kind of reassuring because you always worry that the the backbenchers are a bit supine sometimes, but they again responded to the public mood, I think, and. Uh, and and you know again this goes back to the the, the often used charge that Peter Caron uh, used to, to to fire out about cronyism and uh, you know uh, clubby clubby matey matey and all all, all the the Peter Caron catchphrases that uh, would appear from time to time uh, and of course the issue there is that um, if backbenchers are seen to be being obstreperous and calling calling for the heads of ministers and and, and this and that. Um, the chief minister has it in his gift to 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 appoint them to certain roles and certain positions and anyone who's in politics who is doesn't have ambition to be in uh, to, positions of power um maybe in 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 politics for the wrong reasons because actually if you want to achieve anything you need to be in positions of power so you can kind of understand why some politicians might have been reticent in yeah. in, in in coming forward but now that we have the new um, payment structure um, you're going to get your uh, your uh, equivalent of uh, what what backbenchers would have had 
assuming that they took on uh, departmental roles, that they, they they get that anyway. So so they don't they're not as beholden into onto government no, as they were. There isn't the financial incentive anymore, but I think most members would still want to get in there and and do stuff, and be seen to be doing stuff, and that's fair enough. But also maybe there's a recognition that the challenging scrutinising part of the job is equally important in terms of the functioning of the parliament and maybe there's a growing recognition of that. Yes and and as you say it was certainly encouraging to hear uh, because again uh, I think sometimes uh, ministers get very uh, upset and, and take these things rather too personally. Yeah. Um, actually the, the role of someone who's not a minister uh, if if nothing else, is to scrutinise um, the work of government, and uh, that that that's effectively what we elect uh, our politicians to do, uh, to to come up with good ideas and make sure that uh, the government is uh, is is being properly held to account. And to to ask those questions that the public would ask if they were in there, you know, the obvious questions, and 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 see what the response is, test out the positions, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so in terms of the the announcements from what we could gather, I mean, there were so many uh, announcements from the chief minister. Um, but the, the the surprise, I suppose, is that uh, there would be no further uh, statement from the chief minister with regards to the chief secretary's position until I think it was either October or November, um, which kind of implies. That uh, there's there's not actually there's a, there's going to be an interim chief secretary until October November time when the chief minister finally reports back to Timwald and explains what the new strategy is going to be. Yes, but they they said that they were going to review the role of chief secretary. So I suppose they can't appoint until they've decided what that role is, and that's part of the whole reconsidering everything. Another of my worries is. This is a huge amount of work that requires a great deal of expertise and knowledge of government. Who's actually going to do it? Hmm. Um, you know, are they going to bring people in from outside? Are they going to give it to some civil servants who are already there? Will people trust the work of a existing civil servant because they're all apparently contaminated by this one episode? Um, I, I'm not sure that they had time to think this through and under the pressure of you know the the public mood, the timescale of Timbald, I think this has been a a kind of half thought out response, and the, a lot of the thinking through has got to happen yet. I think. And yet, anyone with half a a, a degree of sense would have known that this was coming. Uh, you know the the evidence that as it was being given to the tribunal, the find the the various conclusions that were being reached, the statements that were being made by particularly uh, Dr. Ranson's representatives, uh, you know, talking about uh, fabrication of evidence, for goodness sakes. Um, this, this, it, it's, it's obviously been coming, uh, yeah. so you'd think, you'd like to think that Council of Ministers will have been thinking about this for probably a month or more before... Yeah. The actual um, result of the inquiry uh, was was um, brought forward, but I, I don't know about your recollections. But in my my time in government, the number of times we were surprised by the inevitable, 
Yeah. Was itself surprising. Yes, uh, as um, the, the, the whenever there was the various conspiracy theories flying around yeah. the the social media and uh, the press, the comment that was often made in council of ministers, if only we were that good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> cock up beats conspiracy every Absolutely. time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Certainly, the chief minister when he was elected to the role uh, I think there was a fair amount of optimism that things were going to change Um, I have to say I've been mildly critical over the last two or three months that there hasn't been very much evidence of that change and indeed you know we talk about emergencies there's climate emergencies we've got this cost Mm. of living uh, uh, crisis you could reasonably say Um, the uh, housing uh, crisis that uh, was talked about so much um it didn't appear as though there was an awful lot happening so maybe there has been a lot of work going on behind the scenes and maybe this is possibly announcing some of the things that were about to happen um maybe announcing them a little bit earlier than they'd intended yeah i think it's been an opportunity for them to accelerate some aspects of the island plan that weren't getting much attention things like the single legal entity that's um not exactly going to get people cheering in the, in the pubs, um, but it might be relevant to this issue um, in terms of the command structures and the centralisation of, of government generally. But Because uh, I, um, I think me, most people would reasonably assume that the Isle of Man government already is a single entity, but that's not the case, is it? No. The, the, the departments are individual legal entities, but we're told that there's no such thing, legally speaking, as the Isle of Man government. Now, this project to to make it one one government in law um, was uh, was all the rage a few years ago. One or two members were very keen on it, and as as they have disappeared, then the the appetite for it has diminished. I think uh, it's been very much on the back burner, but uh, this has brought it back for the time being. You're listening to political commentator Alistair Ramsey on Agenda with me, Phil Gorn. If this was going to be a centrepiece of the new regime, yeah. that these these plans and debating these plans was going to be a form of scrutiny mm. and help clarify the direction of government, but inevitably they are bureaucratic descriptions of, of the department. And the Treasury um, Department plan didn't even include many of its more interesting policy initiatives um, because it was just a description of the department of the sort that used to be published. Yeah, um, and and it's hard to know what the point of, of, of all this is. I mean, I can, I suppose I can just about understand from economic development's uh, point of view that it's handy to have a nice little glossy brochure to hand out to people who are coming to the island who wish to invest in the island, businesses who are already on the island even that want to find out more about the department yeah. and how it can help but um in terms of any sort of meaningful political debate you would have thought that the meaningful political debate in relation to the economic development of the enterprise department isn't it um you would have thought that the 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 debate would have been on are we doing enough to reinvigorate the manx economy surely that's the starting point yeah i think in, in fairness to that particular department the um the economic strategy is a separate piece of work, and that we promised that by the before the summer, I think. That's the uh, KPMG hmm. uh, r- report. 
But uh, no, I, I think um, there is a danger, I think, with this administration that they are kind of rather like the response to the Ransom affair, throwing too much at it, overcomplicating it, all sorts of new committees. This creates a great impression of, of activity and change and what have you. But some of it is is moving the furniture, I think. Because, um, you know, it is reasonable. Uh, certainly mo most members of the public would, would probably s say or conclude that we are over-governed. There's too much government happening on the island. So um, is, is that a fair estimation or is that one of those political myths that's quite popular on the doorstep but hard to justify when, when, when you uh, actually try and pare down uh, what government does? Yeah, I, I mean that was certainly the view of the of the scope and structure exercise years ago, and um, maybe that's that kind of theme is being revived now, that you know government does too much in the Isle of Man. But that 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 exercise was quite political. It came at it from a quite conservative, small government, low tax kind of perspective. Um, but the, the one of the the public view is that we've got too many politicians. So, you, for example, on some local authorities, they've reduced the number of members. I think that's quite a superficial kind of gesture, really, because you actually need enough politicians to have the scrutiny. If you really reduce the number of members of the House of Keys down to 12, for example, you'd basically be no difference between the government and the parliament. And, and of course, the, the uh, important thing to remember uh, about... Uh, and you know this is an inevitability of someone who spent some years as a parliamentarian on the island, a member of Tinwald. Um, the, the you've got to remember that Westminster has something like uh, almost seven hundred MPs. Mm. The Isle of Man, we we have twenty four directly elected uh, members of of our Parliament of of, of the House of Keys, and um, we do pretty much well you'd probably say 70 to 80 percent of the legislative work that uh, happens in in the uk's yeah. parliament happens in the manx parliament so you know there's a relatively well a significantly smaller uh, set of eyes to read through all our legislation compared mm. with that in the uk and it's one of the great challenges for the island generally is that we are trying to sustain a fully functioning national government with a kind of local authority political culture, small local authority resources in terms of finance and, and actual people resources as well. Um, and so that's quite a, quite a trick to pull off. You would imagine that there are some obvious areas that we shouldn't be doing if the, the, this, this general belief is correct that uh, governments become too big. So, so where, where are these obvious areas that we need to... Uh, or government needs to do less government in. I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm not entirely convinced by that kind of privatise everything or the arms length. I mean, they they're trying arms length in a big way with with Manx Care. That has turned out to be quite an expensive option, and I'm not sure that that aspect was identified at the time they made the decision. So again, I'm not sure how well that was that was thought through, but. Again, because the Isle of Man is, is a very democratic place in terms of the politicians being close to the people, the politicians respond, the people want them to do more, the politicians want to be able to keep their hands on stuff because 
interfering in the business of government is what gets people re-elected. Um, and it's hard for an MHK to say, I'm sorry, it's nothing to do with me, that you know your, your, your road is in an unsatisfactory state or that your auntie has waited too long for her operation. Um, so it's something about the political culture that leads that to that expansion of what government does. And, and interesting, you know, the private sector is often uh, churned out as the, well, what we should do is follow private sector uh, models. Well, um, th- there are some advantages to that. And the obvious thing that the private sector does is uh, lives and dies on the marketability of its product. If, if its product is good, people will buy it and the, the company will be successful. If its product isn't good, then, then, quite frankly, the company doesn't have a long-term uh, uh, viability. It's a bit different to that in government. And, and you know, certainly the area that I think we do far too much of um, in government, certainly when I was in government, I felt we did too much of, was the internal scrutiny. So everything that you do is, first of all, scrutinised by the 86,000 stakeholders that we have, all of whom feel that they know more about the, the subject than, mm. than the uh, professionals who are paid to, de- to deal with the topic. So because of that level of s- scrutiny and that level of uh, feeling that actually we have a right to know and we have a right to say things about uh, how our government is run, that's, that's the bit that you know, the, the engagement, the public engagement bit, the making sure, double and triple and quadruple checking everything to make sure that there's no, nothing could possibly go wrong. You know, in terms of capital projects, we don't just double protect our, our projects, we triple and quadruple protect to make sure that we've thought about every possible contingency and every possible thing that could possibly go wrong. And they still go wrong. And they still go wrong, but at least, you know, the, because the budgets are so... so uh, over overblown generally speaking uh, you know, government gets away with it but but you know th- this is what adds on to the cost of government is is this kind of internal scrutiny the blame culture in, in government and uh, i'm not sh- necess- i'm not wholly sure how the private sector would be able to come in and manage to help politicians remove that they i guess they could say what they would do in a, in a private organisation, but these are not private organisations. And private companies have a discipline about the bottom line and a focus and a direction and a sense of priorities that's driven by the market. And that's what the government lacks. And in the Isle of Man, it's even more kind of loose because there is no clear mandate for an incoming government. There is there's no direction given by the public that says these are the priorities get on with it so actually you do need to stop at every step and say is this what you want guys um because we, we, there isn't that there isn't that outcome from the election process to give you a give you a, a steer i suggested to daphne kane mhk i think it was on on last week's agenda that maybe it's time for a committee to look into the most efficient and effective governments in the world and report back to Tinwald. Let's look to see who's doing most, the most efficient forms of government, who, who, which governments are actually, actually manage, managing to, to, to chime in with public mood and deliver the things that the people appear to want. Where, you know, where are people most happy with their governments? Uh, maybe we need to do... A bit of research, maybe. Maybe we should do some agendas on that. Not North Korea. <laughs>
because there is always a, there's a trade-off between effectiveness and efficiency and democracy and I guess your your government has to fit the culture of the place and if we had a ruthless highly efficient effective government here people wouldn't like it it's not the Manx way Plenty to consider there, and I hope that Alistair Ramsey helped shed some light on the often opaque world of politics. The Chief Minister has certainly been set a challenge by recent events, so do you think he's responded well? Please get in touch with philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. You can access the podcast of this week's agenda from Manx Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn. Goramayo, thanks for listening. <laughs>